And we are looking at what God, what God expects of parents. What God expects of parents. We looked at what God expects of the husband, what God expects of you know, the wife. Now we are looking at what God expects of parents. The story is told of a, how on a quiet afternoon, a father took his young son out into the fields for a walk. Tired, and he decided to lie down under a beautiful shade tree because the day was very hot. Ran about gathering wildflowers and bits of fern. Coming to his father, he said, Pretty, pretty. Father dozed off. And while he was sleeping, the youngster wandered away. His first thought was, Where is my child? He looked all around, but he could not see him. He shouted at the top of his voice. But all he heard in return was the mocking echo of his own voice. And running to a little hill, he looked around but couldn't see the boy anywhere. Traveling a bit further, he suddenly noticed a cliff. And advancing to the edge, he looked down. And there, upon the rocks and briars below, was the mangled form of his dear little son. Caught in tears, took up the lifeless form and hugged it to himself. And for the rest of his life, he accused himself of being the murderer of his own son. Living with a guilt like that, that parent's neglect affected the child's whole life. But there are other ways that we can neglect our children, and some with even worse consequences. Spiritual and emotional neglect can have eternal consequences. Just having a child doesn't make you a parent. Then owning a piano makes you a musician, isn't it? I'm just, you know, it's just like that. You know, okay, you had kid, now you're a parent, now they will grow automatically. No, no, no. There are basic needs that a child has that must be met for our responsibility to our children, is loved. L-O-V-E-D. Did you feel the love you needed when you were growing up? Okay. Now, you may say, I didn't felt, felt uh, loved, so this is how I am today. Now, that's no excuse for not giving love to your children. If you recognize your role as a parent that God has given to you, then you must be willing to draw on the love that God has for you, that God has given to you, put it into you, so that you can give this love to your children. We make our children feel loved five different things. Number one, love them unconditionally. Love them unconditionally. Jesus sets the type of love that we should have, okay? While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. This is a love which is an in spite of love, not a because of love, not an if love. In other words, this love is not a, a reciprocatory love. It is not because my children have been good, I am going to love them. Now they have been bad, so I am not going to love them anymore. No, that is not this love. This is an unconditional love. 
Did your parents withhold love or acceptance when they disapproved of something you said or did or did not do? How did it make you feel? Rejection is never a good form of correction. Opposite results. Sad to say today, a lot of children are growing up with parents who have never given this unconditional love. Maybe both the parents have been at work, they've had no time for their kids. When they come home, the kids want that attention and love. They're not able to give it to them. And when the kids uh, now yearn for that and they do something wrong, the parents get only upset with them and reject them up with a feeling of not being wanted. And that's not going to help in the maturing process of the child. So if you want a child to grow up, into the man or woman that God has created them to be. The first thing that we need to do is to love them unconditionally. Remember, Joseph and Mary again. You know, Joseph was a carpenter. And I'm sure times that Jesus spent with Joseph, carpentry setting would have been times in which he has been able to see the love that Joseph had for him. The scripture tells us that there were other children also that Joseph and Mary had, you know, but even the other children, James and Jude, you know, they also grew up to be good children, mature individuals, leaders in the church. Why did that happen? Because Joseph had that unconditional love in his heart. Even when it was found that Mary was a child, unconditional love because God says to take her to be his wife. Unconditional love is a prime crime character for building up maturity in the children. Now David on the other hand did not know how to make his children feel love and secure. Maybe because as he grew up he was a boy who felt rejected. His brothers looked down on him Remember, even when you know, Samuel came to anoint him king, you know, all the brothers were brought in. But when Samuel says, is there any other more children that you have? He said, yeah, there's one little fellow there who's looking after the sheep. He was like an unwanted child, an individual who was not well thought of. And that's how the brothers also thought of him. Or when you're thinking about Joseph as well, his brothers looked down on him because he was his favorite, you know, his father's favorite. And when you're looking at David's growth like that, what happens when he has children? When Absalom is born, when Absalom does wrong, you know, he does not show any love. He does not show any correction, but his heart is there. But when the love actually comes out, when Absalom dies, when he says, Absalom, my son, my son, and he grieves for him. At that time, it was too late. It was too late. Unconditional love would help a child to mature. On the other hand, a conditional love or a rejection of the child will help to grow into feeling unwanted. And that's where they become, as they grow older, they become rebels in society. And uh, oftentimes, when uh, uh, growing up, you know, the parents will say, okay, responsibility for showing this unconditional love, the love of God, is by sending them to Sunday school so that they learn about God's love. But if they're not seeing that love in their home, 
they grow up thinking that's different. They're thinking, you know, hey, I have grown up now. That is only for kids. That's only for sissies. So when they grow up, they reject the faith. They are no longer coming to church, youth meetings, you know, and then, then the parents are upset and say, oh, please do something for my child. He's not responding. He's not you know, living the way God wants them to live. Now we must remember, it all started out how? When they were young. Isn't it? Train up a child in the way that he should go. Unconditional love, love and acceptance, to know that whatever happens in my life, my parents will be there. They are not going to reject me. That assurance the child has to have. And if the child has that, when they go through problems, they don't run away from home, but they run to the home the prodigal son. He says, I'm going to you know, live a good life, take all my money and go away. But when he saw in the world, there was no love. As long as there was money, his friends loved him. Then he remembered the unconditional love that was there in his parents' home. And that is why the Bible tells us when he came to himself, he went back. That is, the home should be a place in which the child feels that he or she is loved unconditionally. Question this morning as parents is, are you like Joseph or are you like David? Whom do your children respond to? Jesus who responded and grew up in that surroundings to be the person whom God created him to be, you know, who, for whom he came into this world to live and die. Like Absalom felt rejected right from the beginning, and as a result, even later on, went against his own father and usurped his throne. You don't have to go through that seeing the way your child rebels. Show them unconditional love, and you'll see a great change. In order to show unconditional love, second letter O stands for oversee them instructionally. Oversee them instructionally. The Bible says that children are like arrows. They are like arrows. They are carefully formed so that they can be sent to accomplish a task. Okay? Arrows have to be sent out. Okay? And the target that is you know, to be reached is Christ-likeness. And that should be the goal for our children. The instructions that we should be giving to them for maturity is that they would become like Christ. If the instructions that we are giving to them when they are young is, hey, you must you know, do your studies well and you must get a big job and earn a fat salary, not important. Working with the Lord is not important. If that's the type of instruction that you are giving to them and showing them by your life, they are going to observe what you are doing. If you are not setting Christian principles and standards in your own life, if you do not attend church regularly, read the Bible and pray regularly, but you are expecting them to do it, you know, they would not respond to what you are telling them to do. They will respond to what they are seeing you doing. So if you have to oversee them instructionally for this goal, that they would become mature in Christ. Ask yourself, even this afternoon, this question, is that your real and aim and purpose and goal for your children? If I were to ask you this afternoon, what is your goal for your child? You know, what would it be? 
Could it be that I want my child to be a manager? I want my child to be in this position. I want my child to have this type of a salary. You know, is that your concern, or is your main concern? I want my child to grow up, to know the Lord, fear Him, live for Him. If that is your concern, then you'll be automatically communicating this. And the first level for that is definitely that they would come to know the Lord. Now, that responsibility of the spiritual birth, which is the start of life, has to come from you and I as parents. Don't leave that responsibility to the church. Don't leave the responsibility to the Sunday school. Don't leave the responsibility to the youth fellowship. If you have to oversee them instructionally, you and I, as individuals, as parents, are the people who need to teach them, bring them to the faith. We must pray for them, set an example for them, help them to understand what it means to make a commitment to follow after God. And once they have made that personal commitment, help them to grow, help them to nourish their faith, you know, communicate all these truths to them, be open to them. They are questions that they have concerning Christianity. Don't say, don't ask questions, just believe. No. Help them to be open. Help them to communicate to you the questions that they have. And that will give them the genuine security. It's exciting to see a baby grow physically, isn't it? As soon as the child is born, you know, they take the first steps, say the first word, roll over for the first time. All those are exciting, you know, you know moments in the growth of a child. Similarly, you should also be excited to see your children born spiritually and also grow spiritually. And just as you know, bringing up a, a newborn babe you know, requires a lot of effort, bringing up a person spiritually also requires a lot of effort. And when we as parents put in that time and effort and care, it shows to the children that we love them. It helps them feel loved. And it helps them start their life walk, lifetime walk of becoming more like Christ. So ask yourself in the second area, is your instruction only verbal and not practical? Are you able to see them come to a commitment to follow after God? Is that your goal in life? That's the first important thing that you must ask yourself. If you really love them, then your heart's desire should be that they would come to know him personally. Do everything that is impossible in your side to lead them to a personal commitment to Him so that their eternity is definitely safe and secure. The third letter, V, stands for validate them continually. Validate them continually. Valid means sound, effective, and well grounded. Sound, effective, and well grounded. And we produce this soundness, effectiveness, and well-grounded foundation when we validate them by encouraging them, complimenting them, and building them up. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Fathers, separate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, don't frustrate them. You know, that's what it basically means. When it says fathers, you know, sometimes it's also translated as parents. In other words, as parents, make sure that you train up your child. Train up your child. Don't make them 
frustrated. Don't over-discipline them. Don't manipulate them also. You know, make sure that you are taking them in the way that God has created them for. And how can we motivate your children? How can we validate them constantly? First of all, by using their natural bent. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. It doesn't say in the way that you want him to go. Oftentimes, parents have unfulfilled dreams that they couldn't fulfill, and they try and foster it, put it on top of their children and say, you have to do this. They wanted to be doctors, engineers, or whatever profession. They couldn't get seats, so they said, my children should follow in these steps. Kids are not interested in that. You know? Don't force them to that. You know, to do that. You know? Train up a child in the way that he should go. Each child is different. And as a result, it takes time understanding what their bents are, what their talents are, what their abilities are, what God has created them to be. Understanding that takes the time. And once you have understood it, you know, allow them to do it. So keep in mind the child's individual temperament, personality, learning style. You know, what works for one child will definitely not work for the other child. So that's the first area. Use their natural bent. Secondly, use the SALT principle to motivate. What is the SALT principle? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So what can you do? You can feed it salt. You know? So develop their natural interest. Use their curiosity and creativity. Work with them and not against them. And this would help them to choose their own goals. Once you have helped them to find out what is their longings, what is their thirst, you know, what do they really enjoy doing, it would help them to choose their own goals. And when they are doing well, praise. When they mess up, you know, don't try and protect them. Don't try and bail them out. Sometimes when they mess up, they do wrong, you know, it didn't work out, a failure becomes really a stepping stone for them to succeed. So all this is part of validating them, encouraging them to be who God has created them to be rather than who you want them to be. And for that, two things important, isn't it? First, you need to spend time with God to make sure you understand that. And also you need to spend time with your own children so that you can understand them as well. The third letter E stands for emancipate them gradually. Emancipate them gradually. Okay. Now we spoke about you know, arrows. Okay. Arrows having a goal. But arrows also need to have that destination to be launched out. If the arrows remain in the, you know, in the pocket itself, it's going to be of no use. Arrows must be released to accomplish their work. Archery, the release of children, is critical also. Remember, it's not a one-time event. Lifetime process. As soon as the child is born, you are preparing them to step out into the world on their own two feet. As soon as the child takes the first step, they can stand and walk. You're excited, isn't it? So, 
emancipate them gradually would be helping them to stand on their own two feet in society, in the world. Okay? But many adults still struggle with freedom from parental control. And releasing a child smoothly takes real skill and maturity. Now, oftentimes, you know, you may have grown up, you have got married, and sometimes the children and the parents will still be controlling you. Now, that's bad. That's bad. And wives, you are now set up your own home. So you are now taking your own uh, decisions. Your parents are not taking it for you. Similarly, when your children have grown up, into that level of accountability and maturity, they have to take their own decisions. And this would mean overcoming your fear that the children will make it without you. Sometimes, you know, you have that fear. Okay, now that was, they were my life, now they are gone, what will I do? It means also denying your urge to be in control, to accept that you aren't as needed by them as you used to be. And this is why, again, a lot of marriages are children. And when the children have grown up, got married, moved out, then the marriage suffers. Or when they have got married, they don't allow them to move out. They still stay at the same house. And as parents, they still control their children. That is not emancipating them gradually. Letting go needs to be done over and over each day in a process. But you let go. Why? Because you are convinced that these children are not your own. They have been given by God to you temporary time in order to build them up into the person that God wants them to be. If you have this understanding that they are on a temporary loan to you, you will make the best use of that time, especially the initial growing years. If you have been setting up your home, you have been so busy with your work and your marriage, you had no time for your children. When they grew up, you say, now I have time, but the child no longer has time for you. And then you feel very, very frustrated. Learn right from the very beginning to spend time with your children. Make them feel loved. Make them feel that the home is a place that they can come to to find that support and assurance. So the direction you know, that we shoot our arrows, that is very important. And we are not saying we want them to get out of the house. That's not the emphasis. The emphasis is we want them to stand in the world. That is also not that important. The important part of it is that they will stand firm in the world independently as a true believer in Christ that they would walk in the ways of God in the midst of the pressures in this world. That's what maturity is all about. And that is what you are working towards. That is the role of parenting. And all that comes about when the child feels that they are loved, when the child feels that they've got all that instructions that they have received, they've got all the uh, academics as it were. Now they're doing the practicals. When they step out into the world, all the input that they have received will enable them to make the right decisions. But if the input is not received, if wrong inputs are given, what will happen is the decisions that they will make when they go out into society will definitely be wrong 
des uh, no, decisions. Fourth one, the fifth one, <coughs> D, <coughs> stands for discipline your child consistently. Consistently. Remember the key word here is consistent, not constant. The key word is consistent, especially <coughs> as the child grows up. Make sure you don't take sides. Discipline the same manner. The child is a very smart child. The child knows who the child needs to go to in order to get what he or she wants. Don't play into that game, but make sure that there is a mutual agreement in the discipline. And when that discipline is consistent between both the parents, and also when the discipline is consistent, you know, okay, this time wrong happened, discipline was there. This time wrong happened, it was condoled. No, no. Whenever there is you know, a discipline to be taken, it has to be same. It has to be consistent. And that is what the child will see. As the child grows up, the child is watching all this. Okay? If the child finds an inconsistency, if the child finds that according to the parent's mood or stress level, or according to you know, the people who are around, you know, the parents will take the decision, then the child is you know, very quick to sort of you know, work around that. Okay? I'm sure as parents you would understand this principle very clearly. For the first several years of their lives, babies can't be disciplined because they aren't able to make free will decisions on their own. But as they're growing up, especially when what is called as the terrible twos, okay, their will is strong enough to start making their own decisions. And if at this particular stage, okay, when they are testing the limits, okay, there's no discipline that is taken, okay, what will happen is sooner or later, they would always, you know, get the understanding that I can get my way. In other words, you know, if you are always giving in to your child's temper tantrums when they are young, okay, parents who give in to their every fussy need find that they will eventually have a spoiled, demanding baby on their hands. And as a result, even when they grow older, sometimes even when they have become very old, they are members of the church, they still have the same temper tantrums, you know, wanting what they want immediately. Why? How do they have that attitude as if they have become older chronologically? Why? Because they were never grew mentally. Okay? So discipline is very important in growth. So especially in these initial years when the ch children are testing, testing the limits of their parents. How far will they go? And how far can I get away with it? We must respond with loving, firm, consistent discipline. Now, discipline could be in different ways. Some people may say no corporal punishment. Some people say, okay, specific, stand in a corner, sit in this corner. You know, different types of punishments can definitely be administered. Or you would not have your TV time, or you would not have your you know, play time, or whatever. Okay? Now, as the child grows up a little more, the child is also asking questions you know, like, you know, why am I disciplined? Why did you do this? Now, if the parent is not able to give reasons again and says, no, I'm disciplining you because I'm the parent, then the child says, okay, when I grow up, then I will be the boss. 
Now, the children at this time want answers to their questions. Why? Now, sometimes it may be very difficult as parents to answer all the why questions, but don't put it off because the why questions of the child is part of the growing up, maturing processes of the child. Because answering those questions gives them reasons for rules, gives them reasons of how they can discipline their lives to become better individuals. So answering why questions are very, very important. Remember to discipline, not punish our children. Discipline is to train for future whereas punishment just pays them back for what inconvenience or embarrassment they caused. Discipline is motivated by love. The mind controls and love and security results in the child. Punishment, on the other hand, is motivated by anger and frustration. The emotionals are controlling and fear, guilt and anger are built into the child. So discipline is important. The way it is given is definitely important. So remember, as parents, we are nothing but babysitters for God, okay? They are his children first, okay? They are his children first. As much as we would like to say, this is mine. No, no. They are given to you for a short period. We are stewards of the children whom God has given to us. This is why we must learn to give our children back to God. This is a key, I would say, for parenting. A lot of frustrations in uh, parenting comes about because as parents, you may say, these are my children, these are my children. So you want to protect, overprotect, or do everything to make it comfortable for them. But remember, learn to give your children back to God. Number one, giving your children back to God is a confirmation of your love for God. What you're basically saying is that you love God more than you love your child. Was given the gift of the son Samuel. She gave Samuel back to God. It's a confirmation of her love for God. And when we give our children back to God, we are saying, God, you gave this child. This child belongs to you. I love you and I want you to guide me on how you want me to bring up this child. So giving your children to God, first of all, is a confirmation of your love for him. Secondly, it's a clarification of who owns the child. Who owns the child? When you give your children back to God, you're openly declaring that this child is a gift from God. This child does not really belong to you. This child belongs to God. And if this child belongs to God and it has been given to you for a time period, your job during this time period is to love and train the child. So this child is not yours, but God's. It's a clarification. I wonder whether we really see our children in that manner. Oftentimes we hold on to our children, not wanting to leave them. As a result, they grow up messed up and they are not able to be mature adults. Learn to give your children back to God, to say, Lord, this child belongs to you first, and I will do everything in my capacity to make sure that the child knows you and grows in your likeness and image. Thirdly, to God is a commitment to raise your children 
God's way, to raise your children God's way. Remember, you may say, okay, you know, I brought the child to the church and the, uh, at the church there was the ceremony of dedication or baptism or whatever. And I made a commitment to say I will bring up the child in the fear and nurture of God. Okay? Now, it's only a ceremony. Giving your children to God in your mindset is a commitment to raise your children God's way. When you committed your child to God in a ceremony in church and made that commitment, ask yourself even today, whatever age your child is, have you brought up your child God's way? You made that commitment. If you have not brought up, the chances are you brought the child to the altar and then brought the child back and said, now this child is mine. Okay. Now Hannah made that commitment and says, I will give Samuel back to you, Lord. And then she kept that commitment, isn't it? You know? And because she gave Samuel to the Lord, you find God used Samuel to become a prophet for his generation. God has plans and purposes for our children. If only we would learn to give our children back to him, commit them to God for what God has in store for them. And finally, the fourth one, to give your child to God, is not you know, a ceremony, it's a commitment. It is a claiming of God's plan and purposes for their children. It's not a ceremony, it's a commitment, and it's also a claiming of God's plan. To say, Lord, you have that purpose. I don't know what that purpose is. I don't know why you have created this child, but your child has a purpose, and I want that purpose to be fulfilled. Not according to my way, but according to your way. And when we make that commitment by giving our children back to God, that is what we are really implying. So just as much as you know, we bought a commitment of husband and wives of our seminar together, let's also make this commitment prayer. I put it on the screen. I will read it out and make this your prayer to God this day. Heavenly Father, thank you, my children. Thank you for guiding and protecting them always. Thank you for all that you do for them. I pray that they would know you in a personal way. I pray that you continue to guide them in all their doings. Help them to walk in the path that you have made for them. Lead them to the future that you have prepared for them. I commit them into your loving hands. Amen.